Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast in the class today has been dedicated in loving memory of Lulu Nishmat, Shimon Ben Sarvi, and Rahamim. Allah Shalom, sponsored by his son Isaac Simantov. Breakfast in the class is also dedicated for the Rafawash and the Ma'av Meir Ben Adelia, sponsored anonymously. And as well, dedicated in loving memory of Sarah Victoria Bat Rafael, sponsored by her granddaughter Sheba Hurizadeh. Hazaku Baruch and Mechila to those that sponsored yesterday and the day before. I actually wasn't feeling so great, so we didn't have the shiur. Uh, my apologies in case anyone had uh, something specific on that day. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give you the Berachot and the Nechamot that you uh, are seeking and hoping for for yourself. Rabotai, uh, I'd like to just begin by talking about one idea that I think is very, very powerful. And that is a line that the Pasuk says. Abraham Avinu says, You shall take for yourself, you Please take me'atmaim, or let, let please be taken, a little bit of water, okay? Now, the, uh, the Midrash says on this specific idea of yukachna me'atmaim, what happened because of that me'atmaim, okay? What happened because of that me'atmaim, uh, our rabbis tell us, ata amarta yukachna me'atmaim, chayecha, I swear, says Hashem, sh'ani porea levanecha bamidbar. I'm going to pay back your children in the desert when they get to Eretz Yisrael. We're in the desert where they paid back for the war that Abraham served. That's the, the well in the desert was payback, so to speak, for Abraham's yukachnamatmaim. When they got to Eretz Yisrael, it's a, a land which has streams of water. In the end of times, a person is going to experience also this idea, that's when the timing of the Mashiach will come, when there'll be a river flowing towards the, uh, the Har Habayit, um, and uh, you know, speedily may let Mashiach come in our days. Rabotai, from this Midrash, I learned a tremendous idea. That this Yukachna Me'atmaim, this let there be taken a little bit of water, results in a trilogy of Birachot to Abraham Avinu, which are unbelievable. But it's not just that the entire nation of Israel is given to drink from the Be'er for 40 years from one tiny act. It's not just the Ma'im Ha'im Yerushalayim in Olam Maba. It's not just Eretz Nahale Ma'im that for thousands of years the Jewish people would experience a land with streams of water flowing through it. It's even more exact and didactic than that. Our rabbis tell us that everything that Abraham Avinu did himself, he was paid back by God, so to speak, himself. And anything that he sent someone else to do, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu also paid him through an intermediary. He allowed an angel, so to speak, to be the agent of that beracha. So Abraham tells Yishmael, he tells him to go do, go run over there, go do that. That thing was paid back only through a malach. So we're noticing the exact nature of God's retribution, both positive and negative, is relating to the smallest thing. Now, I want to share with you something unbelievable. And I think that this is a very powerful way of understanding this concept. And I appreciated this tremendously from Rav Galinsky. Listen to what he says. He says as follows. You know, a person looks at the sun... You're sitting there on the beach, 
You look at the sun. You look at the moon. You're looking for where the moon is. The moon starts over there in the evening. All of a sudden, a little bit later in the night, you're looking for the moon. Where the moon's over there. And it looks like the moon has traveled, I don't know what, six inches, a foot. Right? And how many thousands of miles is that in the sky? Correct? So you ask yourself, well, did the moon travel a few inches or a few thousand or a few hundred thousand miles? Good question. Let me add to that as well. How fast is the earth spinning? Anyone know? How fast are we moving? Anyone have any idea? Once in less, once in less. So it actually depends um, based on relative to what? The surface of the earth is spinning. That means that the world is spinning on its axis a thousand miles an hour. Did you know that? So if you're walking down the street one mile an hour, if you're walking in the same way as the earth rotation, you're walking a thousand and one miles an hour. Powerful, right? That's the surface of the earth. Now the earth itself, although the earth is spinning on its axis, okay, so that's relative to the core. If you take the earth and you try and understand how fast is it rotating around, you know, in, its, in, its, in the earth's orbit, around the sun, we are moving 67,000 miles an hour around the sun. So while you're spinning a thousand miles an hour, the earth is hurtling around the sun 67,000 miles an hour in its journey to make that circle around the sun. But what's even more fascinating is that the entire galaxy with the earth in it is rotating around what is the great attractor. So in space, our galaxy is traveling 490,000 miles an hour. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt this. I was reading this a while back. You ever felt very sluggish in bed? You wake up in the morning and it's like, your alarm is like, I've got this new thing on my, on my phone. It's fantastic. Right? You know, the better the alarm is, the more pain it causes you. Is that correct? Right? So if it just goes, but then you, know, you get some of these alarms. I don't really understand who they're for. It's like, dun, 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 dun. I was like, that wouldn't wake, that wouldn't wake up like my hair, the hair on my hand would not wake up. That is how I go to sleep, not how I wake up, right? So, but then you're, ar, 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 ar. now it started doing it. You can add the phone says, it tells you what time it is. So it goes, ar, ar, it's seven o'clock, seven o'clock, seven o'clock, seven o'clock, seven oh one, seven oh one, seven oh one. Until finally you get up, you get up, your eyes are like half closed. You're like this, you're walking, you can't really even see straight, you're walking to the bathroom, you wash your hands, you use the bathroom, you're feeling so sluggish. Stop for one second and realize that at your most sluggish, you are moving almost half a million miles an hour. Just not seen from your vantage point. Because if you're in a car that's moving 500,000 miles, do you feel like you're moving fast when you're sitting in a car? No, I'm not moving at all. Why? Because speed is relative. Rabotai, our world is an exact replica of this model. We are hurtling through our lives. It doesn't feel that way when you're looking at it from your perspective. But if you were to be able to pull out, your life begins and ends in a second. And in that tiny frame of time, of a hundred years in billions or trillions of years, 
I'm again, I'm not talking about the argument about the age of the universe. I'm talking about in the infinite nature of time, as seen by Hashem's perspective. In the infinite nature of Olam Haba, that you're going to sit and experience the payback for all your deeds, you have seconds, milliseconds to do something. And if that is true, Rabotai, if the limitation of time is so small, we begin to understand, oh, hold on a second. If the world, if speed is something that I have such a misconception about, then maybe the same way the, the sun all the way over there, when it moves a few inches, is move, we're moving hundreds of thousands of miles, maybe it's not only the speed that I'm getting wrong, maybe I'm also getting the size wrong. I remember once having a conversation with my child, and uh, this, my kid asked me, they were like, how is it hot? What makes it hot? You know, you go out sometimes, it's hot outside. You go out sometimes, it's cold outside. So I said, the sun. The sun is what makes it hot. Kid looks all the way at the sun for a second. This is impossible. This is big. Right? This is big. Rabutai, perspective is one of the most important things for a person to be able to have. And once you realize that your perspective is actually taking giant things and making them small, it's taking huge speeds and making them irrelevant. You can also understand that tiny things in your world, things that are tiny from your perspective, actually might be enormous from another perspective. You Abraham Avinu says, take a drop of water. From God's perspective, this tiny thing is enormous. It's enough to feed an entire people in the desert from a Be'er Ma'im. It's enough to guarantee Eretz Nahaleh Ma'im in Eretz Israel. It's enough to guarantee Ma'im Ha'im Yerushalayim in the time of the coming of Mashiach. Rabotai, we don't understand the power of a tiny deed. And the flip thing, is the flip side of this argument is also even more powerful. What did I just tell you before? That anything that was done by Avraham Avinu specifically was given by God Himself. And anything that was done that Avraham sent somebody to do, so what happens with that? That is paid back from a malach through, a, through an agent. Now this is something unbelievable. Because I want to play out what happened here. Tremendous reward from some tiny mitzvah, correct? We got that? But we just said also, that when Avraham did something himself, he gets paid by God. When Avraham did something by a shaliach, midah keneged midah, exactly. It's also given by, by God through an emissary. The water that God gave to the Jewish people was given because of yukachna. What does yukach mean? It should be taken. Avraham outsourced the mitzvah. Did the mitzvah, got tremendous reward for it. Unbelievable. But... It was outsourced. Therefore, the water didn't come directly from God. It came through an intermediary, through the Be'er. The fact that it came through the Be'er allowed for there to be a possibility of the Me'merivah, of the Jewish people fighting over the water. It allowed for the possibility of Moshe Rabbeinu to make the mistake of Me'merivah and hit the water instead of speaking to the water. That allowed for Moshe Rabbeinu to be excluded from Eretz Israel. That allowed for the fact that the Beit HaMikdash that he would have been, which would have been indestructible, to not happen. The Jewish people would have entered into Eretz Israel. They could have walked straight into Mashiach. So the same way the deed itself is of magnificent proportions, how you do the deed is also enormous. 
So many times, Rabutai, you can't be bothered to do something or to deal with somebody because you just think, oh, another one, another. Our Gemara tells us that every single piruta, a penny you give to Siddhaqah, comes with six birachot. And then the Gemara tells us, and if you lift the spirit of the person you gave, you gave the birachot to, how many birachot? Eleven birachot. So here you are in seeing a deed that is so small. A person says, you know what? I want to go listen to the class today, but I have to get to work on time. But you know what, Rabbi, it's 9 o'clock. If you spoke until 9 o'clock, that would be fine. If you spoke to 9.05, you know what, I, I might be late. Stay for three minutes. Stay for one minute. You have to leave Tefillah early? Okay, I get it. One more amen. One more. One time that you didn't speak Lashonara. Once! Is something so big that when you're able to see it from the correct perspective, after an abundance of time, Rabotai, a person will be blessed to realize that the uh, tiny things that he or she does are worth the incredible investment of their time. Because ultimately, in our perspective, the sun is tiny and we're moving, we're not even moving at all, but actually we might be moving nearly half a million miles a second just seen from the perspective of Borei Olam. Rabotai, I want to add one last point to this. Because it's not only in the positive that some tiny action has a huge, huge ramification. It's in the negative. It's not just for Sadiqim, it's also for Rishaim. We know that it says that Eglon, because he stood up for God, just he stood up from his chair. One second, stood up like that. That was the whole thing. He merited to have root come from him. Ruta Moabiyah, who's the great-grandmother of David Amelech, who's the great-grandmother of Mashiach himself. Because he stood up. I want you to think of that next time a great rabbi walks into the room, or they open up the Torah and you stand up. You see, we're not thinking. You're in the shul, they opened up the Aaron, what'd you do? You stood up, out of habit. Think for a second what you're saying when you stand up. Havu Godel. Great, give honor and make great the name of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Vezot Torah Shesam Moshe. You are paying respect to the Torah. Eglon for that got to be the great grandpa of Mashiach. Think for one second how big the misvah you're doing is, and infuse it with that enormity. Rabotai, there was a man once in London who used to welcome all different people into his house with the, you know for Hachnasat Orchim. Hazit, there's some guy from Israel. I don't know, his wife needs to have an operation. He comes to London to collect money. So where's he staying? He's staying in this guy, in this really wealthy guy's house. Every morning at breakfast, there's a bunch of poor people. They're coming, they're sitting, they're eating. He puts on a meal for them. They're sleeping in the house. Every day, same thing. The guy's been there for one day, for two days, for three days. He hasn't raised enough money. He's been there for a week. Finally, after one week, he comes to breakfast and he turns to the guy, the poor man sitting there next to him. And the guy's eating breakfast, and he says, he's eating breakfast next to him. He says, you know, I don't know what to do. He says, I've been here already for one week. I, I'm raising the money. I need more money. I don't have enough yet to go back to, for the operation. He says, but I feel bad. I'm taking advantage. I'm already here for a week. So the guy's sitting next to me. He says, don't worry about it. No one has said anything to me, and I've been here for ages. The guy says, Baruch Hashem. He goes off to collect. What did the guy not realize? He was talking to the owner of the house. But what a beautiful way, 
What a beautiful way of making this guy feel like it was okay to stay as long as he needed until his, until his wife had the money for the operation. Beautiful. Yeah, you don't want to send anything. Of course no one said anything to you. You own the house. You see? Now, I want to point out something, Rabotai. Just let's zero in. Let's change our perspective. From a guy sitting there eating cereal, you know, just making a comment. And, and it's probably, it's a funny comment. We all laughed a bit, right? Funny comment to make. Uh, uh, small thing. Think about the fact that this man is feeling humiliated. This man is feeling desperate. This man doesn't know he's chaserat onim. He has nowhere to turn, nowhere to go. He's making some money. He's going to save the life of his wife. It's going to change the life of his children. He'll be able to go back and live a normal life, do the mitzvot that he needs to do, do pray, learn, whatever he needs to do. All from that one comment that made him comfortable enough to stay. Yukachna me'at ma'im. That word me'at is an unbelievable word. It teaches us the most beautiful things. It teaches us that the smallest things that we think we do are actually enormous. But if one word of Torah lights up the whole world, if standing up out of your chair for the Sefer Torah is the equivalent of you deserving to have Mashiach come from you, if uh, turning to someone and giving them a smile is something that your great-grandchildren will get payback for, <coughs> if all of that is true, Rabotai, then we also need to realize that that's also true for one word of Lashon Ara. It's also true for one moment of cruelty. <coughs> one, one word said to the Ani, where the guy comes to you and he, he hits you already, and you're like, could you leave me alone already? Instead of saying, I gave you earlier. Instead of saying to someone, I hope it goes well. These tiny things seem from the perspective of HaKadosh Baruch Hu are unbelievable. So slow your day down a bit. Even if you only do it once. And pay close attention to the way that you want you run an ordinary day in the life of you. Because once you change perspectives to the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, every single day is extraordinary. Every single act is under a microscope. And suddenly when these things are enormous, you realize that you do have the capacity to do differently. Rabotai, if I asked you to speak, stop speaking Lashon what would you say? There was a man who came once to the Chafetz Chaim and with this will end. He came to the Chafetz Chaim on Purim. He was a little drunk. And he says to he's a Bachur Yeshiva, and he says to the Chafetz Chaim, Chafetz Chaim's trying to walk into the house, and the man standing there by the door, he says, I'm not moving until you promise me that I have a seat next to you in Gan Eden. Chafetz Chaim. Spent his whole life learning, changed the world of Lashon Ara, Posek Hador, Chesed like you can't believe, wrote Ahavat Chesed to change the perspective of, of the Jewish people on their responsibilities towards each other. Unbelievable! I want to sit with you. Wait, wherever you're sitting, I want to sit. I'm on the head table. Where are you sitting? I want to sit with you. Anyway, the rabbi, his wife, his kid, they're like, throw him out of the house! The rabbi says, no, no, leave him. Has he? Leave him. The guy's, I'm not moving. You have to promise me. The Chafetz Chaim gets very serious. And he looks at this man. He says, okay, I guarantee you a seat next to me in Gan Eden on one condition. Everyone goes quiet. On the condition that you don't speak or listen to any Lashon Hara in your life. The guy hears the words from the Chafetz Chaim. That sobered him up. All of a sudden, the effects of the wine... 
he realized some things. He says, hold on. He says, I have to think about it. The Chafetz Chaim turns to the members of his family and he says, throw him out. They said, throw him out. Now, we, now throw him out. He said, before, Hazi, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to get a beracha. All right, you know, you know, you can't fault a guy for asking. But now, when I offered him a place in Olam Abba, next to me, whatever that means, and all he had to do was, this is a man who does not value Torah, mitzvot, and Olam Haba. I can't have that in here. I can't have that in my house. Rabotai, a person hesitates. Because you think to yourself, ah, what was this guy thinking? Uh, uh, let's get into that guy's head for a second. He's drunk. It's Purim. The Chafetz Chaim just gave him that, that haftacha, that, that uh, promise. What would you say? Would you say, would you say okay? First of all, when I read it, I was like, Why, what's the problem? Say okay, and then if you don't get it, you don't get it. You didn't lose nothing. It's like, you know, it's like prime. You're allowed to return it for 30 days. Not a problem, right? What's the, but why did he pause? Because he thought he couldn't do it. How could you not be so hard, not speak Lashon Ara? Can I ask you a question? I want you to imagine for one second. You go to a basketball game, a football game, a baseball game. Sometimes they take the giant camera the screen, and they move it around, and they show one fan, right, on the big screen, Jumbotron, right, sometimes they want you, I don't know, to kiss your wife, sometimes they want you to, to you know, to, uh, to, to wave hello, sometimes they want you to dance to the music, but for two seconds, you have your moment of fame on the Jumbotron. When you're on the Jumbotron, and 15,000 people, 20,000 people are looking, would you stick your hand into the back pocket of the guy next to you and steal his wallet? Not. 20,000 people, maybe even the people at home might be watching on the television. Then forget it, the whole world might be watching. Rabotai, change your perspective. The whole world is watching. All previous generations, your grandparents and your great grandparents in Shamaim are watching. Hakados Baruch Hu is watching. If you were able to see the world that way, you'd never speak Lashon Ara again, and it wouldn't even be hard, because I'm on the Jumbotron. Rabotai, the biggest challenge of the world that we are in is the challenge of perspective. The Yesahara's greatest tool is in making you see things in a way that they actually aren't. If a person was able to do so, then Rabotai, he would merit to live a life full of mitzvot and ma'asim tovim. They would merit a life to be, to stay away from all averot, just because they saw things the way that they are. Rabotai, that's the challenge of this world, getting a good pair of glasses. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Chananya ben Akasha Omer. Ratzah, Kadosh Baruch Hu,